ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George, assistant to the regional manager behind the glass. And it is a Taco Tuesday edition of the Killer Beast. My invention, Taco Tuesday, was. I, um... I was watching some YouTube for some reason, and they were talking about the importance of the queen bee and how important the queen bee is Beyonce? to the hive. No, like oh, an actual oh, bee, oh, oh. Uh, not Beyonce. Oh, she's very important as well. She is. Um, so whenever we say that to you, Joe, I just want you to know how much of a compliment that is. Because sometimes I see you make faces. Oh, they're oh, no, calling me this again. I don't think you giggle. like it a whole lot. I don't know if you like it or not. I, I, I've not really been that interested to ask. And also, I know my opinion doesn't really matter if I like it or not. That's true. That is true. Yeah, like, that, I, that's I'm why aware. I've never asked. <laughs> yeah. But I just want you to know the importance of a queen bee to the hive. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I, was, I, I don't know how I stumbled on it, but I did. And I was like, I was thinking of you whenever I was, yeah, the queen bee, imperative to the hive. Well, cool. That's, that's the importance of Joe George to the hive. Almost as important. Yeah, not quite as important as uh, C.J. Stroud is to the Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud's been very good at football. You know, I did the whole deep dive. We'll get into some of the, the best stuff from that. We've heard the national hosts that I think were probably a little bit too late coming around on C.J. Stroud. We've seen the MVP odds skyrocket. Uh, Brendan Riley texted me eight days ago saying that he played it at plus 14,000, I think, or plus 13,000. It's been bet down to plus 4,000. I saw some places that he's as high as number five in the NFL to win the MVP. That's it's, absurd. It's amazing. And again, all credit to him, all credit to the Texans. But at the start of the year, if you could have had the foresight to say, he's going to have a good year, there's no way in hell you're saying that that translates to being top five in the MVP balloting if it was had to happen right now. Yeah, it's insane. It is. And I think he would finish top five. I think he would, too. I think he's starting to get some love. Uh, enough where he's going to get the attention of these voters. Well, I mean, the Texans are a playoff team right now. Like, if you're a playoff team after you've won 11 games in the last three years, four games last year, and you are the reason that you're playing at this high of a level, you've led two game-winning drives in the last two games, like, you're you're going to get MVP praise. For goodness sakes, Justin Fields finished, what, ninth last year? How? I don't know. One rogue voter? I don't know. It's weird. But if Justin Fields can finish ninth in the top ten, C.J. Stroud can finish fifth. He's a way better quarterback uh, than Justin Fields. Look, I think it it translates like we were talking about from the fact that I think that D'Amico should be a front runner for coach of the year. I think that C.J. is definitely already one rookie offensive rookie of the year, but that C.J. translates because of the leap that you're talking about, because of where everybody saw this team for this upcoming season. And yes, Patrick Creighton, I said they were only going to win four games because I just didn't think the roster was good enough, and I didn't I hadn't seen enough of C.J. Stroud to believe that as an NFL quarterback, he was going to make this quantum leap, leap and be this guy this good. But because of all these things, it's like as it relates to, to D'Amico. Dan Campbell was right on the outskirts of the playoffs a year ago. If they just make the playoffs this year, yeah, they'll, they'll improve by a couple of games. But they're already supposed to be a playoff team. Texans weren't supposed to be in this position right now with this team, with this roster, and there's two guys leading the charge, and both of them deserve all the accolades and should be in the running for these two awards. Yeah, that uh, the Creighton thing triggered you, huh? A little bit. <laughs> I'm not, I don't run from it, and I also owned it. I, I don't see any of those people in that thread's tweets. <laughs> I was uh, I was uh, abreasted about them, but I didn't. Yeah, me uh, too. I got, uh, I got <laughs> I tipped off about those. it, and then I was like, oh, 
Okay, Hero Ball. Do you want to start talking about yourself some more? Because I've already Harden? heard enough about it. I uh, I use the mute button a lot on Twitter. For uh, for any of those that I am not responding to, I use the mute button early and often. I don't like to block people because I think block people is admitting like that they're bothering you. And mm-hmm. I don't want people to get that I'm satisfaction. That. So I, I'm, I'm anti-block. I don't have anybody blocked. Uh, mute though, I have. I probably have a mute. couple hundred yep. mutes yeah. if I if I'm being completely honest. But um, Stroud's playing at a high level. He's really good. Uh, we'll get into some of the breakdown stuff later. I, I I'm having trouble in like. I don't want to get like so excited where it sounds fake about C.J. Stroud, but the dude is this good. He really is, and I've been I've been on it for a while now watching the film of him. Uh, he's doing things that other quarterbacks aren't capable of doing. Like you watch Dan Orlovsky break him down. You watch J.T. O'Sullivan break him down. Like he's he's looking safeties on off. He's looking linebackers off and getting them to bite just with his eyes. Nine games into his rookie season. It's unheard of stuff. We already know the ball placement. We already know the accuracy. His arm's plenty strong enough. Uh, That was on display Sunday as well. It's been on display all year long. The knock on him was like, how is he handling blitzes? He handles blitzes so well, nine games into his NFL career, that NFL defensive coordinators, and not just like your run-of-the-mill NFL defensive coordinators, like NFL defensive coordinators that have accolades, that have the reputation of being some of the best defensive minds in the world, they refuse to blitz him because he's picking the blitz apart. Cincinnati threw a new wrinkle at him this past week where they were trying to run like half of their plays in man coverage. They had to abort that because they're crushing man coverage. You get tanked down on a drag, good luck covering that in man coverage. Or Noah Brown, who's been really good. Or Dalton Schultz with his size. But Stroud elevating all of those guys. So it's been impressive to watch. The argument that you heard recently about you know, Stroud, like, what's it going to take for him to win the MVP? And Orlowski's been praising him, saying he's, like, number one on his list. And we saw a little argument yesterday with Teddy Bruschi. And I saw some Houston people get a little sensitive to what Teddy Bruschi had to say. I think Bruschi's on to something, though. Because for C.J. Stroud to win the MVP, what has to happen? 713-780-ESPN-HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Obviously, the numbers have to be there. But Bruschi brought up a really good point that I didn't even realize in the moment. I went and, like, kind of uh, fact-checked it. He said that sh- that they the Texans need to be at the top of their division. They need to like win, win more games. Yeah, basically he said that. He said, talk to me whenever they're leading their division. Hmm. And a lot of people poo-pooed that. Like, well, you know, the Texans, great, you know, strides from where they were a year ago. I went in and did the, the numbers on this, or I looked at the past MVP winners. The last MVP winner that didn't win the division was Adrian Peterson. Wow. In 2012. That's a long time so that, ago. So that's like 11, 10, 10 or 11 MVPs in a row that have won their division. So I think for Stroud to be a legitimate MVP candidate, and it's crazy we're talking about this, uh, nine games into the career of C.J. Stroud, and there's only been one rookie uh, that has ever won the MVP. That was Jim Brown way back in the day. So Stroud's like in very you know uncharted water yep. here. Um, I do think that for C.J. Stroud to be a legitimate MVP win the MVP for the only the second time in NFL history for a rookie, first in Jim Brown, I do think the Texans have to win the division. See, I didn't know all that. So when you asked, when you posed the question, my first response was going to be, well, they got to make the playoffs. Because if they make the playoffs, and, and we talk again about like the leap that they would have made if they make the playoffs from where they were last year and the year before, but specifically because we go year to year. Last year, they were so bad. To turn right around in one year's time and make the playoffs and know that it is the majority of it is because of you and your performance. And like you said, then the numbers back that up. And if they continue to do so, I would think that that would be enough. 
And I know that, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of these voters are set in their ways and that, you know, they have these rules or these unwritten rules that they have to follow and go by when they place votes and things like that. But I think, you know, sometimes it's just admitting a new day can dawn in the fact that this guy's doing something across the board that we haven't seen maybe since I, I want to go back as Jim Brown. I never saw him play, but you didn't No, not nice, but I couldn't have seen that one coming. But at, at the same time, you have to call it year to year by what you're seeing. And what you're seeing is a quarterback that is transcending what rookie quarterbacks have done in this league over the course of time. No rookie quarterback comes in and is past the midway point and has two picks. No rookie quarterback comes in and is either leading or close to leading the league in, in, in passing yards in his first season. And then when you start d- digging deeper like we do and watching the games and watching uh, all the little idiosyncrasies and realizing you know, his reads, his pre-snap reads, and then his progressions, and then where he puts the football, and what he's able to do, yeah. whether he wins the division or not, I think if he continues to do this, he's done more than enough to be deep into that conversation. I, it, it's hard to, like, say these things because it, it feels like you're putting the cart ahead of the horse because he doesn't have the body of work because he's played nine games. But but watch the body of work that he does have. Mm-hmm. And, like, we, we threw around where does C.J. Stroud rank amongst NFL quarterbacks right now this second. Uh, for me, I look at it as I want the ball in this guy's hand. I need to go score a touchdown with a minute and a half left to play, a timeout or two. Everything, everything else is equal. I think the only guy I'm picking ahead of C.J. Stroud right now is Pat Mahomes. I'm talking about everything else being equal. They have the same offense. They're going up against the same defense, The all of that. One guy, the quarterback position, that's the only thing that's changing. Who do I trust the most to go score a drive, go score a touchdown, go kick a field goal in, in a game-winning situation with a minute and a half? Am I picking Josh Allen? No. You kidding me? He's going he's gonna to intercept, throw interceptions just as often as he's going to throw touchdowns. How about Burrow? Like Bur- We saw Burrow in crunch time on Sunday. I love Joe Burrow. I think he's third on my list. Threw two interceptions in the fourth quarter. Now, he did have the game-winning touchdown drive that was dropped by Tyler Boyd, but he also threw two interceptions. Now, Stroud threw one, but then was able to lead the drive that you kicked the field goal. The only guy for me is Pat Mahomes. Not throwing numbers aside. I know Stroud's numbers are very good. Tua's numbers are very good. Jalen Hurts kind of... I think Tua, or Jalen Hurts had better numbers last year than he does this year, but I think he's a better player this year than he was last year, or at least equal to. I look at C.J. Stroud as that guy. Like, Stroud has elevated to my number two quarterback in the NFL. And I understand how crazy that sounds to put him ahead of Herbert, to put him ahead of Josh Allen, to put him ahead of Lamar Jackson, to put him ahead of Joe Burrow. I understand the craziness. It's why I almost want to hesitate to say it. But I, I can't do that. I, I owe it more. I owe it to you guys to tell you how I feel. Stroud is elevated to the second best quarterback in the NFL for me. See, and I'm not there yet in terms of second best overall, but it's hard to argue with performance numbers and when you mentioned some of those other guys and I still I'm very very high on Burrow and I do think because he still did what he had to do to lead his team to victory um and he's also got some skins on the wall that that show you that dude is a big time player when you look at what Josh Allen did last night when you look at some of the mistakes that Herbert's made throughout this season to where you've had a lot of people questioning how he was anointed to be a top five quarterback in this league and now they're kind of second guessing that because he hasn't looked that good he hasn't looked the same And you can go down the list and go, a lot of these guys have had a lot of shortcomings this year. A lot of these guys have taken a step back. They've regressed. Even Mahomes' numbers aren't what they used to be, though the team is winning football games. Jalen Hurts been dealing with knee injuries. But, yes, he's improved every single year. This year, the Eagles, as good as their record says, they haven't really hit it on all cylinders to where he and their offense looks the way you would expect them to look with all those weapons. You can't argue with what CJ's doing week to week because even if he has – 
a little less than stat-wise, he's not having a stinker to the point of where he's coughing it up, throwing multiple picks, and giving away games, or costing his team, and that's what you really like. 713-780-ESPN. It is a uh, Taco Tuesday, so we'll cash him or trash him at 430. Uh, overreactions from around the NFL. What is the ceiling for the Houston Texans? And Dana Brown is... Uh, telling people that they need to get creative this winter. How do you get creative? Uh, we'll run that by you. 713-780-3776. HRP listener line. We're on the Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. Uh, Joel's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. Joe's at Joe George Radio on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. What is it going to take for Stroud to win the MVP? The Texans have to do what in order for that to happen? Certainly, Stroud has to put up the numbers, too. 713-780-3776. I'll break down the deep dive that I took watching the All-22 as well. Lots of great stuff, and it doesn't cost you seven ninety nine. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. He's blank on Branham. 8029, in my opinion, they need to win their division, make the playoffs. Look, like Stroud has to hit the baseline numbers. Like, we know that he needs to continue to rack up passing yards, which he currently leads the NFL in passing yards per game. We know he needs to rack up the touchdowns, limit the interceptions. But what do the Texans need to do in order for him to win the MVP? Put him in that discussion. 713-780-ESPN. I, I do think it is. Uh, for him to uh, to for the Texans to win the AFC South, Josh Allen was anointed early uh, or was anointed elite after an overtime loss to Mahomes in the playoffs three years ago. It's five two four five. I don't know how you lose a home game to the Denver Broncos. Like they they Oof. took every like it, it. I mean, it took twelve men on the field, but still, I don't know how you lose a home game to the Broncos. The the Bills are five and five. Josh Allen leads the league in interceptions. I think what for the third year in a row they fired their offensive coordinator today. Like Who the, was a hot coaching candidate yeah. a year ago? Yeah, he was. Now I, I don't think Joe Brady's a bad fallback plan. Certainly did good things at LSU with uh, with Joe Burrow. Although that might have been more about Joe Burrow and Chase and the, Justin the Jefferson. <laughs> it was a pretty loaded roster. I think Joe could have called plays for that LSU team and they would have been all right. That's not an insult. I agree. It's not an insult. Throw I think it'd be all right. Chase. Yeah, or Throw Jefferson. It to Jefferson. <laughs> they had uh, it was Edward Talaire, right? Was their running back? <laughs> yeah. I think they had another guy too that's in the league that was in the backfield. I think so too. And then didn't they have uh, oh, 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 uh, Bad Moss? What did, wasn't it? Edward Talaire? Which we just said. Oh yeah. You're can we not really listening? Can yeah. we give a little more credit to the Broncos though? <laughs> was it a tight end? No, but, I think they had. I think they had a second running back that's in the NFL. Let me look real quick. Um, yeah, we should give credit to the Broncos. I mean, we should give credit to Sean Payton. They're, they're playing pretty good ball. Their last two wins are against the Bills and the Chiefs. Someone brought that up to me today, this morning in the gym, and I was like, you know, as much because they were like, hey, are we supposed to respect the Broncos now as a playoff team? I'm like, come on, no way. Dang. They were like tanking it, and all of a sudden I go, you know what? That when he mentioned that, I'm like, it's pretty true. They beat the Chiefs and the Bills. Those are pretty good signature and like, wins. And where they're at record-wise, that game in two weeks is going to matter a lot. Or in three weeks, whenever it is, when the Texans and Broncos play, yep. it's going to have big time playoff implications. I think they're going to be the better than going. we thought they were when we started picking yeah, wins like, and losses. Like they figured out a way to make Russell Wilson work in their system, and they're playing really good defense. He's an eagle maniac, but credit to Sean Payton for figuring out a system that might be able to make Russell Wilson relevant. The Texans are kind of getting some teams at the wrong time. Uh, I think that the Broncos would have been better to play early in the year. Cards, obviously, would have been better to play early in the year. Uh, LSU had three running backs that are now in the NFL. Uh, They had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on that team. They also had uh, Thad Moss. 
on that team, oh. and they had Tyrion Davis-Price, who's in the league. Also, their third receiver was Terrace Marshall. Oh, I was forgetting. Like, unbelievable team. team. It's like one of the best teams. At they least said, offensively, yeah, they, for sure. They say it's one of the best like college rosters of all time. Yeah, yeah I think it goes up loaded. there with like the early 2000 Miami teams. Because the defense was loaded for LSU, too. Yeah, I don't they, think it was as loaded as the offense, though. But they have quite a few guys. Patrick like, Queen, yeah, Calabon Chasen. Derek Stingley. Derek Stingley. That's right. Those Stingley's That's good right. He, he and Chase, were. they said at practice every day. Neil Farrell. That team was so good. So good. <laughs> I think, I, I think it's like, that team for was. me, it's number one of like the college football that I really remember. Because like that early Miami's team, I didn't really watch college football too much in like the early 2000s, <laughs> to be honest. So like LSU, like, I think that's the best team I've ever seen. One six, it's really good. It was really good. One six zero one blankers with the subtle gym bro drop. <laughs> no, that's the show before us. I, I legitimately wasn't being subtle. I just said that's where the conversation happened. Yeah, you do bring up the gym. I, I usually, I don't think it's a flex though. No, I, I don't think it's a flex. You don't talk about how much you're lifting. Usually, you spend time on the cardio machine. If uh, if I'm not mistaken, three three one six run the ball better and play better defense. Can't give up three hundred yards a game. I, I get you three three one six. I think it's what's going to take for the Texans to win the division. I don't think those factor into CJ Stroud. Winning of the MVP though. Now, hear me maybe, out. Maybe indirectly. Maybe indirectly. Hear me out. Okay, I'll hear you out. What if they keep giving up 350 passing yards yeah. per game and the running game sucks? Yep. But they keep winning. That's MVP because the numbers inflate. MVP stock up. Numbers inflate. CJ Stroud doesn't have a run game, but he keeps winning. CJ Stroud doesn't have a good defense. That's a good point. But he keeps winning. It's you know because they, now he's a bigger reason for yeah, their success. It's yeah. a good point. I heard you. I heard well, you out, and it was a good one. Yeah, because good of one. the fact that when we always, I always talk about criteria. But if it's the most valuable player on your team, he's more with the things that Joe just said. It's more clearly defining how valuable he is as an individual on the team with whatever it achieves. That's why I think if they make the playoffs and keep going on this run, even if they fall short on the division, they got to re- they got to kind of revisit their thinking about this. You know whether it's just been a trend or whatever, they say, oh, you know, they win the MVP, you got to win your division. If they come close, but they keep doing what they're doing and he's doing what he's doing, you got to put him in the in the heavy discussion. I, I think he's already in the heavy discussion. Now, for him to win it, I think the Texans do have to win the AFC South. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Someone said, I think y'all forget Brock Purdy's throwing up similar numbers on a better team. Now, to Joe's point, because they're a better team, yep. maybe voters don't give the most valuable player praise he's more to of a Purdy game as much as he's deserving of it. Uh, now, I think Stroud's more deserving of it, but I, I, I'll listen to Purdy like getting some votes. Uh, better team for sure. Now, way better talent around him. Like C.J. Stroud, loved Devin Singletary, thought he had an awesome game, ran the ball really well, but this might be a hot take, maybe it's hyperbolic. I don't think Devin Singletary is as good as Christian McCaffrey. Love Tank Dell. Go Cougs. He's Debo. my favorite receiver in the NFL. I'm getting there. I don't think Tank Dell is as good as Debo I'm Samuel. i as a running back. Right. Singletary's oh, yeah. not as good as Debo. That's a good point. Uh, if you put <laughs> just have him as your full-time running back, that's a yeah. good point. Uh, Dalton Schultz, think he's doing a really good job. Really shrewd fine by Nick Casario. Don't think he's as good as George Kittle. And then we can look at the defensive the side offensive of the ball line, as well. though? Wait, before you yeah. get off the offense. Yeah. The offensive line, when you got Trent Williams, who arguably is still the best left tackle in the entire game, mm-hmm. and all their big offensive linemen and how good their offensive line's been, and this makeshift offensive line all season for the Texans, that has to be included, too. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I think the offensive line can rival the San Francisco offensive line if they were healthy. If they're healthy. But, but they're not healthy. Like Laramie versus Williams. I, I, I favor Williams. I'm with you on that. But not by a ton. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the gap between McCaffrey and Singletary. It's right. not the gap between Debo 
and tank. You know, that's kind of the same tier of player, but I do think that uh, I still think Tunsil finishes second in that conversation. All right, 713-780-3776. couple of my, my all-22 takeaways. Passing on first downs is cool. I like this. I like this Bobby Slowick offense that we've seen in the last three halves of football where they're throwing it on first downs and they're trusting C.J. Stroud. I think it's opened up. Devin Singletary from having a good game. Not that Cincinnati's great against the running attack, but it opens you up for more options. I think it's what this team's this team needs. You're putting it in the hands of your best player on early downs, and it's it's good. It's a good thing. Less predictable, more effective, obviously more entertaining and exciting to watch, too. But again, it shows you how much confidence they have in their quarterback that they can finally get, no matter how hell-bent they were, on needing the run and saying this is what we have to do. They were so predictable for one, but two, I think they were still coming into their own themselves in terms of their beliefs with CJ from week to week. Now to give him the keys fully and understand he'll execute whatever you want him to do. That's given everybody the confidence to say, we don't have to run it and be predictable on first and second down. I, I do understand where Bobby was coming from early in the year. I'm just gonna call him Bobby from now on. Let, let the, uh, let the, uh, let that be known. I'm not going to call him Slowick anymore. I'm just going to call him Bobby. Um, I understand why he didn't want to do that early. Like, okay, you have a rookie quarterback. Are you giving him too much? Like, you don't want to overwhelm him. I get it. I understand it. Uh, but now I'm happy that they are opening it up. I'm going to give Bobby Slowick a benefit of the doubt there uh, when it comes to, like, not doing it earlier because he had the rookie QB. But I like that they're doing it now. I like that they eventually got to it. I think it was a game too late, but they eventually got to it. Uh, Devin Singletary is fantastic. Like, the numbers were really good. But then watching the film on it as well, I thought the offensive line had its moments. There was still a lot of missed stuff, and sure. like there wasn't a whole lot open a lot of times. Where Devin Singletary's flat out making people miss. Like Devin Singletary looked really, really good to me, uh, which was encouraging. He, he's slippery. He even some of his yards after catch. You know, there was a couple times he ran right into the back of somebody or right into the offensive line. You're thinking, well, there's a loss or a one yard gain, and he just keeps churning and finding just a small little gap to get into and get you, you know, two three yards out of a play which is a, can be a big difference in, in, in a third and nine or ten and, and getting it to a manageable distance. He was giving you a lot of like those dirty yards, like the after-contact yards. Okay, I get hit, but I'm going to get three more yards, and all of a sudden a third and six turns into a third and three. I thought that was good. Plus, he's just flat-out making people miss. Uh, he was his, The cut moves he had was were nasty at times. Um, we, we mentioned earlier that since he was throwing a lot of man at C.J. Stroud, which we haven't seen a whole lot recently, you go back to Carolina, Atlanta, New Orleans, Tampa, uh, they were all dropping 7-8 into coverage since he tried to play man, and he got them out of man pretty quickly. I look at C.J. Stroud also, by the way, C.J. Stroud's checking out of a lot of plays, guys. C.J. Stroud's like not only checking out of plays, but he's telling receipt, like changing routes before the snap at the line of scrimmage. So like they're putting more and more on C.J. Stroud as well. I did notice one thing. Every single time I saw him check out of a play, it's like four times, it's always a running play after that. Like they, they probably need to work on the tendencies a little bit. That way they don't tip what they're doing, and maybe you have a check that might be like a short passing play. Just, just throwing that out there. I relate C.J. Stroud to a, an elite point guard. And whenever you have an elite point guard, what do you always have to be aware of when you're playing around him on the offensive end? What do you always have to be ready for when you're playing with an elite point guard that's passed first? The pass. The pass, right. The pass. And he's going to find the open guy. He's going to make a yeah. tough pass look easy. Always be aware that the elite point guard on your team might be passing you the basketball at all times. You're, you're always open when you have an elite point guard. That's what C.J. Stroud is. There was a couple of times where Noah Brown once, and then there was one time where it was Robert Woods really, really bad. 
They're not looking for the ball. Stroud threw it and like hit him, and they're not even looking. Yeah. It's like, come on, you got an elite quarterback, an elite point guard here. Always be ready for the ball. And then we talked about this a little bit yesterday too, Blankers. This very well could have been a blowout. The fourth quarter, Burrow threw two interceptions. You're up by two possessions. You go score, even if it's a field goal. You don't throw an interception. You win this game by two possessions, going away no problem. No it could have been a dominating victory. And they were. They were the better team for three and a half quarters. And until the interception, everybody was basically ready to turn their remote off if they didn't have a a serious rooting interest in either team because they thought the game was over. And and suddenly they made it a game late, but then even still he stepped up when he had to to make sure that they still did what they needed to do to win the football game. So when you look at it and you say before the game, hey, if they're hanging with the Bengals for four quarters, that'd be awesome. If they found a way to be in it late, that'd be even better. Just don't get your doors blown off. But instead, the win is they got the win, how they got the win, and how they dominated from start to finish for the most part against a team that is supposed to be better than them. Yeah, yeah, they, they, you're right. I mean, they, they could have won this game by 17 points. Uh, they didn't put it away at the very end, which is something we'll talk about a little bit later. Whenever we uh, don't ignore in victory what we wouldn't in defeat. In fact, it's coming up next. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. We can get used to this because this segment really only works if the Texans win a football game. Because if you, you can't have this segment if they don't win. But what were some things that you noticed Sunday that everybody's scared, about, scared to talk about on Monday? What are the negatives? What are the warts that no one wants to bring up because they're pandering to the city? Well, not us. Don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. What stood out to you that was a negative even in victory? 713-780-3776. Killer B's ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees. Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. All right, he's Blank. I'm Branham. It is the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. 713-780-ESPN. What would you, from this game against Cincinnati, we cannot ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. Already a few texts on this one. Okay. Uh, Ocho, any quarterback who throws low percentage passes on third and short should be fined. <laughs> Ocho can always see the worst in things. He said an elite quarterback shouldn't be throwing go routes on third and short. That was the second to last drive. They, the Texans had like a third and three, mm-hmm. and there really wasn't anything there. And Stroud took a, a deep shot for Tank Dell down the right sideline. They got broken up, went off Tank's hand, and then kind of ricocheted out of bounds. Uh, that's what Ocho is referring to. I didn't mind the play. I didn't mind the play. There was nothing else there. The only chance you had to complete the pass is that tank route. The only other option, I think, is take a sack. That way you keep the clock rolling. Yeah, yeah and I, I thought that the defense was pretty much convinced that you wouldn't take a shot like that. You got the coverage that you wanted to where you maybe get, you know, uh, catch catch tank getting behind the defense one-on-one and, and you try and get the big play that basically puts it all the way. It's the same way people were questioning on, on the third down play where he threw the pick. Should he have, should he have even considered throwing that football should they should they have just run it again and punted the football it's how much you believe in your quarterback because the elite quarterbacks you're going to put the ball in his hands and you're going to trust he's going to do what he needs to do to execute the play if you still don't believe in cj stroud then you're going to play hyper conservative to the point where you won't even look at the field to say there might be a possibility for us to get that one first down that puts us in even a better position to put this away yeah yeah um lamont brings up the 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 third down play where he threw the interception was the third to last drive because it was third down and two. Uh, in fact, I have the situation right here. Let me let me set it up exactly right. Uh, it was third and two, three forty one left to play. Texans were up by ten points. Cincinnati had one timeout left. 
Texans decided to throw the ball. C.J. Stroud, after the game, said that he saw the corner undercut the route, and he was trying to lob it over the top. Never got close, really. I didn't think it was a poor decision. I thought it was a bad throw. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you can make the case like Lamont does. Uh, Lamont on Twitter says no one wants to say this, but D'Amico's defense very questionable. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, lastly, Bobby trying to be too cute at the end of the game, and I love the aggression, but take the sack. I didn't mind the decision as much as, much as I minded the throws. Throw. It was a yeah. worse throw than it was decision. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't necessarily d- disagree with Lamont, though. I-, I do think that a sack in that spot was probably the wise decision over trying to lob it over the top of an undercutting did, corner that had to, like he had the beat on the ball. Did you see? Some people were saying that they saw him try and pull it back. I didn't I never see saw that. that. I did not see that. I think that he was... He was, you know, he was dialed into the throw. He knew the throw that he had to make. He did throw it off his back foot, but it wasn't a great throw. Yeah, he threw it a little bit off his back foot. I wouldn't say that he like tried to pull. Yeah, it I back. don't think he tried to, you know, to you know, mid throw, pull it back or take it down, and he just couldn't. I don't think that's what caused anything. I just think that he made a bad throw. Yeah, I don't mind the play call though. Like, and I've seen Bobby be criticized for the play call. Mm-hmm. Look, I think C.J. Stroud's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think C.J. Stroud is your best playmaker. I think the Houston Texans have severely struggled to run the football. Now, not against Cincinnati. They had pretty good success. And you're also seeing a defense when you walk up to the line of scrimmage that has a heavy box and you don't want to run into a heavy box. I have no problem with the play call. I want to put the ball in the hands of my best football player. I want to put the ball in the hands of C.J. Stroud. Stroud made a Mm, below average decision, and he made the worst throw he's ever made in his NFL well, career. And it's like, that's where I'm at with the twofold of this. They're going to load. They're loading up. They know that you're going to run it into the the line one more time and punt the football. That's their expectation. But if you as a football team have trust in your quarterback, trust in your coordinator, and know that you have the right guys in the right positions to where you can make a play, then you believe that your guy's going to go make a play. So give him the football. He's made plays for you all year. Why wouldn't you at least explore the opportunity to do that? Because if he does take the sack, because if it's completely covered up, uh-huh. it's just like running the football anyway, get yep. down in bounds, same result. Yeah, I, I would have rather had the sack uh, than him to try to make the throw. But it was, a, it was a worse throw than it was the decision. And frankly, I have no issue with the play call. In fact, I, I kind of like the play call. I want it in C.J. Stroud's hands in crunch time, not Devin Singletary's hands with an offensive line that does not run block well. Uh, what are you a- ignoring or not ignoring in victory, which you wouldn't in defeat? 713-780-3776. Boys, you'll have some? Yeah, I, I want to kind of continue off that, though, real quick. Like, I don't have a huge problem with the play call itself. But I do think the Texans have a flaw that needs to be figured out. Like, if you go back to week one, they failed both their fourth and ones. You look at last week when they had to go for two because they didn't have a kicker Mm -hmm. or two weeks ago, and they were a disaster. This week, the play calls, they didn't work. They didn't execute. Like, the, the Texans' biggest flaw is that on fourth and one, third and short, or in the red zone on short yardage situations, they're having a really hard time executing in those moments. I think it is like the number one biggest flaw that stops the Texans from being like a good team Mm -hmm. to a team that can win a playoff game because like they just keep continually failing in those moments and they have since week one. Yeah, I heard another show in the market talking about this yesterday and making this exact point. So I'm glad that you stole it from them and brought it up. Yeah, from myself. That's right. It was you on the way home. Oh, Um, so I've already heard this. (laughs) I was wondering where you're going with that. Yeah. But, no, I heard Joe talking about last night. He's absolutely right. I mean, for as good as Bobby Slowick has been all year and has gotten better and there's been times and moments, has he made mistakes? Absolutely. But he's learned from them. He's gotten better from game to game. I think they do need to work on their fourth down plays and the execution of said plays. 
Yeah. Uh, to Lamont's second point, no one wants to say this, but D'Amico's defense is very questionable in the fourth quarter. Uh, this is like the third or fourth time that the, it's happened. It does seem like he gets a little soft in coverage and allows the other team's offense to kind of go right down the field on him. Now, to D'Amico's defense in the Cincinnati game, they did force two turnovers in the fourth quarter. Uh, Burrow did sure. throw two interceptions in the fourth quarter. And then that long drive that they had that led to the field goal that Tyler Boyd dropped, Jalen Petrie had oh. a huge mistake. I know a lot huge of people mistake. have been really critical of, J- of Petrie, and I'm not as critical, but he did he did make some mistakes in that game. He had a pick he could have caught. Um, yeah, he's made, he's missed some tackles. But overall, I'm glad as long as to clarify from Lamont, it's the fourth quarter because the fourth quarter they get, he he gets a little preventy and, and just starts kind of backing off and, and getting soft and, and then allowing teams. But the first three quarters, when you look at the pressure, he was he was consistently putting on Joe Burrow mm-hmm. from all the different angles. And yes, we credit you know Rankins and we 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 credit Collins and we we credit these guys for getting to the quarterback. But that's part of what D'Amico's doing so that they have the avenues to get home and do what they've done. Grenard was all over the place yet again. So your outsides are getting there, your insides are getting there. That's that's credit for to D'Amico yeah. for the first three plus quarters. And they didn't really um they usually were only sending four to, to Burrow too. And if you can generate pressure with four, I mean obviously you're you're in a way better spot. I think D'Amico had one of his better games. Uh four nine nine five mentions Petrie. Petrie has sucked this year. It seems like he took a step back. I don't know if I want to go that far. Petrie, I didn't think, played well against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. There was one where they, they caught a safety blitz on a third and one, and Petrie has Mixon in the backfield, and he flat-out yes, whiffs on right. the tackle. I mean, it was great call by D'Amico. Petrie whiffs. Uh, you go back to the, the first touchdown in the first series for Cincinnati where you had the touchdown deep at the right sideline. Texans were in a cover two. A lot of people were banging, you know, blaming Stingley. Stingley actually read it pretty well, almost made it in a great play on it. Petrie's a little late getting there. that was late? Yeah, I don't know if I want to really blame Petrie more than just, like, tip my cap to Burrow. Burrow made one was a hell great of a throw. throw. He almost wound up. You saw he yeah. put a little extra sauce on it, and he threw a dart. I, I don't think that that was a, a bad play by Petrie. It was a little late, yeah, but I credit Burrow's throw more than I blame Petrie on that one. But then the final drive where Boyd actually had the long run, Boyd goes up and catches the ball because Perryman's covering him, which is another don't ignore in victory, which you win in defeat. <laughs> that was now, my next you one. don't have to worry about that for the next three games. We'll get into that in a second. Um, but you had Perryman on Boyd. Burrow makes a good throw to Boyd. But Petrie goes for the interception instead of just going to tackle Boyd. And it cost the Texans 45 yards. Like, it nearly cost the Houston Texans the game. So, like, Petrie didn't have, didn't play well against Cincinnati. I think he's been fine this year. I wouldn't say a step back, but I didn't like him against Cincinnati. The Grenard point, why is John Grenard ever defending a wide receiver one-on-one? Especially a receiver like Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd's pretty good. Like, you shouldn't be one-on-one with Tyler Boyd ever. He was on that big play that got Cincinnati inside the 10, and then he was on the play where Tyler Boyd dropped what would have been the go-ahead touchdown late in that game. Plus, the other thing I didn't like at the end of that play was when Boyd was juggling it and and all the different times, he, including when he went to the ground to have a chance to get it, the Texan guys basically just pulled up. They were just like, oh, Oh, oh! the first time he bobbles it, there are guys around the football where you can at least dive down, try to make a play, try to do something disruptive, distracting. I don't know. And, and Perryman, I think I was just like, oh, he got it. Yeah. They just kind of they just kind of hit the emergency break. Surprised he got suspended three games, though. Like, 
letter of the law that hit by Perriman was it's... letter of the law. That's a that's a penalty. It's a penalty. And, and the report says that the reason that he was suspended was because it's like a uh, it's an aggregate or I guess Multiple uh, offenses. Yeah, yeah. He, it's a bunch of them. Like he's picked up a bunch of. Like, has, I think it was six in his six. eight year career, yeah, which is not really years. a ton. But I guess it's just the you know like kind of like the technical fouls in the NBA. You get to a certain amount, you get suspended. JJ so Watt it, is went off. not happy. No, I think it's silly. Have rightfully so been taking their medicine in terms of they've been really bad but more so than usual lately but this is this like the kareem jackson effect where because of reputation or the dylan brooks effect in basketball well because i don't think i didn't i just didn't see and maybe i missed it but i didn't see perryman as the same kind of guy taking those kind of hits were egregiously no. trying to hurt Yeah, I don't think he's a headhunter. I don't either. Like, he led with the crown of his helmet against he Chase. Did. Letter of the law, that's a penalty. I hate that I hate that play because Chase is literally lowering as he goes to the ground. His Perriman's target was not his head whenever right. he left his feet. Now, letter of the law, he can't lead with the crown. This is I don't think that there's a gray area here. I think this is a whenever you get to a certain amount of these, they're going to suspend you, and they're going to fine you heavily. Now, I, I don't like it. during the game. I, I, like, how do you not get tossed, but then you get suspended for three That's games? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I was worried he was going to get tossed. If he, ta- he got tossed, then my immediate thought was he might get a game for that when yeah. you saw the replay. But, but I didn't think three. I mean, Kareem I Jackson got four. My, honestly, my biggest issue with all of that is that it seems like the Bengals defender, whoever it was, when CJ was getting yeah. sacked and there's two and guys, yes. and the third guy comes in, drops his head, goes yeah, helmet to helmet with CJ, like, I don't see any difference between that play and what Perriman did. I, did. I do think he got fined. Yeah. He got a post-game fine, which I guess maybe does start his count. It's, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we, I just don't know how many counts. But like, I, I don't know Perriman, this was, was number six. Yeah, it's weird. I don't like the fact that they're suspending uh, players. And, like, I understand the logic here. You're trying to get this out of the game. I understand that. I respect that. I I want them just to get fined heavily. I don't like when they're missing three games from a team. that's a, He's a starter on a team that's in the playoff race in the middle of the year, and now he's banged for three games? I don't like that. And, and the thing is, if you have, like, a egregious – what was the linebacker for the steel, uh, for the Bengals? Vontez Perfect. Uh, perfect. And yeah. ruined Antonio Brown's life. If you Brown's were a perfect, then I understand carryover from year to year because now you're a headhunter and now – you've had a couple of egregious plays that basically you deserve everything you're going to get because you're looking at playing the football the wrong way. But I had no idea about Perryman, and and if they weren't egregious and it didn't look like they were intentional, carrying him over from year to year and then creating a reputation to where a guy gets three games right now when he's been a pretty good part of this defense I think that's tough. I hope. I think they were gonna. They have to appeal. Yeah, I think the the plan is for them to appeal. They need a statute of limitations on this because like six and eight years feels ridiculous. Like that it doesn't does. seem like a whole lot. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. We have more of these. Don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. You know who who uh, Perryman should be calling right now? Human resources and payroll. He should be calling HRMP. I think they would get him off the hook here. Mike Holly, owner of HRP, U of H class of 1990, go Cougs. He knows a little thing or two about football. He used to protect a Heisman Trophy winner. Now he wants to protect you and your business. He's been in the business of that for nearly 25 years. HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, payroll, uh, getting you off the suspended list in the NFL. HRP will also work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRP. You need a little help. You need a lot 
lot of help, anything in between. HRMP will create a plan for what you and your business needs. Also, their customer service second to nobody. You'll never talk to a stranger on the other side of the line. You'll be calling someone familiar with you, familiar with your company. I can speak to that customer service. Anytime I have a question, always get a quick response. Easy to understand. Let HRMP take on the demands of human resources and eliminate your HR burden so you can get back to growing your business. Call them now, 281-880-6525, and let HRMP customize a plan for you, 281-880-6525, or just check them out online at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. He's blank. I'm Branham. We are the Killer Bees. Uh, this text from 8029, Ari Alexander tweeted that the Astros are calling up Kennedy Corona to the 40-man roster. Thoughts? Uh, find your beach. Cheers. There is a <laughs> there is a deadline for um, the forty man roster. I think the Rule Five draft's coming up, but today's the deadline, so they're just protecting Ken- Kennedy Corona uh, from getting drafted by another team in the Rule Five. I don't know anything about Kennedy Corona. Corona. I don't know anything about him. I don't either. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. If you want a great blankers joke, there seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six or mine. That's fine too. Uh, let's go out to the HRMP listener line, Michael. You're in the hive with the bees. What's up, Michael? Hey, how's it going, guys? What's up, man? Beautiful. I, uh, I just want to talk about uh, T.J. Stroud's uh, decision on throwing that interception. Um, I'm with you guys. I would rather see it, you know, get a sack. But earlier in the game, he scored a touchdown by running it into his leg. Yeah. I feel like if he wants to become that more dangerous of a quarterback, he needs to do what Brady and Mahomes and even Burrow will do, and they'll take off running to get that short yardage gain. Um other than that, I mean, I'm glad they won, and it could have been way, way bigger. Like I would have liked it to, but that's just my thing. I feel like he can take off running because he's not slow, right? You know, he's a pretty good runner. He's probably burrow speed. You know, just, yeah, yeah, he's probably burrow's. I appreciate yeah. the call, Michael. So he wants him to to be a little bit more of a. I don't, I don't think Michael's saying that he wants him to be a dual threat. It's just on a third when and you two have when yeah. you have to, when you can get it, stay safe, don't take hits. Um, I'm not a huge fan of my quarterback running. Uh, I don't like my quarterback taking hits. Uh, I think you can even point to the Kyler Murray injury last year. Well, non-contact. Well, he was running. He was scrambling out of the pocket. Like, I I don't love quarterbacks that have to run. I I do think that in order to win in the NFL, you have to beat teams from the pocket. Now, I don't disagree with Michael. Like, on a third and two, if you have a a rollout to the left, there's nobody in front of you, get the three yards, duck it out of bounds. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I do think C.J. Stroud does that enough-ish. Like yeah. he mentioned the touchdown. I, I thought the, I thought the touchdown run was a great run. It was run fantastic. And a great read it was a great defense. decision, and yeah. he tucked it, and he saw the gap, and he got there, and and he scored. I, I think that he's intelligent enough. We talk about his intelligence and reading defenses and and understanding the play calls, doing all those things. I think he's intelligent enough too, like Tank is, to where you know you don't want to take the big hit, but you can get enough yardage before the big hit and still get out of bounds get to safety, make a business decision, or just, you know, a personal decision, get down and avoid taking any kind of contact Mm -hmm. and still be effective getting yards with your legs. You just look at Lamar and you look at some of the guys that have been so effective running, even Jalen Hurts, who's really struggling right now, and he's got knee knee issues. Yeah. Because you take a pounding, even with the, the, the butt push, 
thing for the one yard at a time. Tush push. The, the tush push. <laughs> when you get in the middle of that scrum after you get that one yard, all bets are off. You, I mean, you see guys getting their knees twisted, ankles, butt, you know, all those things. You mm-hmm. don't want any of that with your quarterback. Matter of fact, in the Arizona game, did you see that? They brought your boy in. Yeah, I did. The, well, I, I, I didn't see it. I, I read it. Yeah, Kyler Murray on the goal line, they were going to do the tush push. And they, they put Toon in there because they're like, we ain't doing this. He just came back from a big leg injury. I don't love it when Stroud sneaks. I, I know it's been somewhat effective, but I don't like I it. I don't like when, it either. I don't like it when Stroud See, sneaks. I think that what I like about it is that it's not it's not his first or second or third option. Like It is emergency situation yeah. only. Like, I think that's the one thing where like if you, if you want to see more of that, I think he will. And I think the Georgia game is really what you can go back to where like he didn't run at all in college. But like when he needed to, because things weren't working after Marvin Harrison Jr. got hurt, he would take off, and he made things work just like the rushing touchdown this weekend. CJ knows when is the right time to take yeah. that risk, and so far like he does a really good job of avoiding that contact. His clock is really good. It yeah. is, is filled too is really good. His aware his pocket awareness is great. Two three zero four says we both got a six and a half. On our joke. I'll take it. I'll take I'll it. I'll take too. it. That's uh, better than a five. I'll take that. Uh, 9744, the secondary's been the weakest point on the Texans. I've been pe- uh, pleasantly surprised by the uh, offensive line. Uh, he said office of line, but I-, I think he meant offensive line. Uh, sadly disappointed by the secondary who I had high hopes for. When I look at the secondary, though, I see tons of injuries. Like, Derek Stingley has not played a ton. They haven't played together a lot. I do think, overall, the secondary hasn't been terrific. Like, I know some people in preseason, oh, this secondary can be the strength of this team. They can be special. And injuries kind of derailed that. Um, Petrie missed a couple games early. Jimmy Ward has had trouble being on the field. Stingley, as we know, has always had trouble staying on the field. The upside is that hopefully you get them all on the field at the same time in that I I do think that Nelson, Stingley, Petrie, Ward has the potential to be, I'm not going to call it special. I think that was always outrageous. I think it has the potential to be a good-ish secondary. Look, I think there's talent there, right? I I think that there's ability and somewhat of a resume in certain cases like Stevie Nelson that you believe that they're not going to get cooked. They're going to be, they're going to be intelligent on the football field, that they can make plays. Stingley's the biggest reason why this, this, this secondary has been lacking because he hasn't been on the field again. And you don't know what he can do, but you would expect that he can do more of what he started to do against the Bengals, against a guy he's very familiar with, but start to limit the best receiver on the other team. Stevie Nelson has been a, a better than advertised, and that's why he got the, the extra money this year because they've been very pleased with him. So you, you've got a good mix of guys, but again, just like the offensive line, but maybe less in terms of importance-wise of consistency, but you build continuity with and consistency with reps and with the, the time you're on the field, and there's been too many guys in and out of the lineup to get that kind of consistency and continuity. 713-780-3776. Back out to the HRMP listener line. Paul, you're in the hive of the bees. What's up, Paul? Hey, uh, no Astros today. A couple quick hits. Uh, I think the Texans offensive line coach just deserves a tremendous amount of credit. Obviously, Stroud's played incredibly, but for the most part, he's been kept clean, and he's had a lot more time to throw than in years past with any Texans offensive line, even without all the injuries, or even with the injuries this year. So, I mean, I, I give that offensive line coach a ton of credit. Second, uh, second point is it's great to see the Rockets <laughs> – with a real coach and a real plan playing. It's just a tremendous amount of fun right now to be a Rockets fan. And third, I've got a poll question. Uh, you probably asked this, but which is the Houston team that's going to next win a championship? 
That would be Dynamo included, and I'm going to say the Rockets. Okay. Rockets would be my third pick. Okay. Rockets would be my third pick. I'll go Astros one. I think the Astros can win the World I mean, Series think, next year. I think you have to say the Rockets, if we're going to include the Dynamo. Yeah. They, the Rockets should be fourth, I think. Mm. I mean, the, the Dynamo are two games, three games away from a championship. By the way, can like I just right now. quick mm-hmm. sidebar? Yeah, how bizarre it is that you can do a best of three for the opening round of the playoffs in the soccer, and then it's a sudden elimin- I mean, a, a one-game sudden death elimination game in the yep. next round? That's ridiculous. Look, I know we're the home of the Dynamo. Uh, shout out Vamos, all that stuff that they're doing right now. Um, not eight, Glenn Davis does a great job. A best of three in the quarterfinals of a playoff, and then everything else turns into a knockout match is flat-out stupid. It was ridiculous. It, it, it was funny. Stupid. It was funny when we had the GM on last week, and you could yeah. tell like he wanted to say He wanted that, to say how stupid it was. Yeah, not. we had Onstad, the, uh, wow. the GM, and he was on with us. And I was like, you know, if it was an aggregate, you would have already advanced. He's like, oh, yeah, I know. I know. And he was biting his tongue because he, he, you could tell how stupid he thought. I told him I'd take the fine for him. It, it is stupid. I, I'm going to go Astros. Astros are the closest no to, to being a championship yeah. team. I will. I still think the Rockets are a bit away from being like top tier roster to compete for a championship. I completely agree with Paul that the Rockets are so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They have pieces. They have a lot of talent. They have a real head coach. Real head coaches matter a lot. Um, I still give the Texans the slight lean over the Rockets. Though I have Astros at the top, pretty significant gap. Texans next, very very minor gap. Rockets after that. I'm going to put. The Dynamo above the Rockets. I want to put the Rockets at four. Yeah, I'm so worried about their, you know, left back, right back play. Okay, and they they flipped that earlier in the season too. And they, and they, they wouldn't flip it. No, they took a traditional uh, left back and made him play right back. Yeah, that's a problem. Okay, it's a problem. Well, yeah, that's why. It, maybe that's why a, I don't like it. It's an adjustment for sure. <laughs> but I, I do think that when you look at it, the biggest thing for me, just like we talked about when the Texans were drafting and drafting the quarterback and drafting guys that were drafting the offseason, you're not just drafting for yourself, but also how do you see your competition for the next five to seven years when chasing a championship? We said in the AFC, we thought the quarterbacks were loaded in the AFC. When you look at the Western Conference, it's still pretty loaded. The reigning NBA champs of the Denver Nuggets, they aren't going anywhere. The rest of the Western Conference has beefed up a lot. Teams that weren't there last year because of injuries are better, like New Orleans, like some of the teams you see, like like Sacramento, and they got another injury again. Golden State hasn't gone anywhere. There's a ton of competition. So it's one thing to say you're getting better. You're on the rise. You're fun to watch. But you have so many hurdles of good teams to get over just to get to that championship where you're going to see a Milwaukee or a Boston or a Philadelphia that I don't think they have the same caliber of players yet to be able to compete in a seven-game series with a lot on the line in the playoffs and get to that point yet. Yeah. 2022, they call her needs to give Stroud the same uh, credit for the offensive line coach. Look, I-, I think that the offensive line has been really good at pass protection, especially from games three to now. First two games, eh. Um, 11 sacks in two games is not good. Since then, week three to now has been really good. The run blocking, not as good, but pass pro has been there, uh, which is good to see. 9744, can we consider Blake Cashman as defensive MVP? No, no, no. Def- most improved player. I'm willing to listen to that. I can see Blake Cashman as, as establishing himself as a starting he linebacker mean, he in the Texans, NFL. By the way. He meant for the Texans. Oh, yeah. He didn't mean yeah. in the league, but he, for the te- even for the Texans, he's, he's worthy not of bringing back. Yeah, 
They have some decisions to make because they have some good players that are going to yep. be free agents at the end of the year. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. Which teams in the NFL will be swapping quarterbacks in 2024? Packers. <laughs> it's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.